Hello and welcome to Art Talk on KBF 88.3 FM, the voice of the people. I'm your host, Rachel Trusty. This week I talk with David Scott Smith and Kim Quay about their exhibition that is currently on show at the Historic Arkansas Museum. The show has been up since November 11th and runs through February 5th. This Friday is Second Friday. That means it's time for Second Friday Art Walk in downtown Little Rock. If you haven't been to Art Walk, go. It's fantastic. The Historic Arkansas Museum always participates along with many other museums and businesses. If you're interested, the whole list of participants and events for each Second Friday is on the Second Friday Art Night page on Facebook. Both David and Kim obviously are artists, but they're also both professors. They have a very interesting show. They do not work collaboratively on this show, but their work goes very well together. The colors are very complimentary, and both artists use play and humor and mixed media uh, to convey their ideas. It's lively and fun. I first spoke with David Scott Smith. He is a ceramic artist and currently works as a ceramics professor at UALR here in Little Rock. His portion of the show is entitled, Playing With My Food. David addresses issues of overconsumption, GMOs, and the engineering of food. He has three main works in the show, Demons of My Consumption, The Corn Cloud Parade, and GMOs. Here is David speaking about his work. Let's talk about your show at the Historic Arkansas Museum because I feel like that's uh, a good segue because you use a lot of natural Mm -hmm. textures to make unnatural things. Yeah, that's what I love. Uh, I, a lot of sculptors will um, want you to see what they sculpted. Um, the work will actually sort of lead you into that discovery of, of what they did with their hands and their skill. And I'm hoping that people can't tell what I sculpted and what I lifted off of nature or what I lifted off of a natural... You know, like, for instance, uh, a lot of the textures at the um, ham right now are I made molds of actual chicken skin. So a lot of the creatures, the GMOs, are, um, were made from molds of actual food, you know. Um, but like we were discussing earlier, the, the ham show for me was really different um, because it's the first time that I've ever tried to put, um, really overtly put my political and philosophical views into my work. And that show came out of, I was invited to be in a food show um, down in uh, Baton Rouge at the Contemporary Center for Art. And that was last summer. So I made this work specifically for that. And the work at the ham is new, but it was, it came out of those ideas. so the GMOs are my take on um, what's happening with our food. And it's supposed to be humorous. Um, you know, these creatures are made with chicken parts, but also there's armadillo, there's fruit. I love there's, the hair. Oh, yeah, that's, that's from a wild boar. I, I got a wild boar in Texas a couple years ago and saved the, the hide. So I, what I wanted were, were these organisms that, that had failed, that they were designed in a, in a laboratory, but for some reason... Uh, they weren't. Um, they weren't good. Um, they're they're not a good f- farm animal. Um, and so I thought, well, what what are some things that would make an animal eat more? Well, like a wild boar, they'll eat anything. Also, on a lot of these critters, um, they have actual human teeth um, because a human will eat anything. <laughs> so, and they're like I said, they're supposed to be funny. They're supposed to be creepy and funny, but also I think they they are supposed to talk about what is literally happening with our food. Um, To me, 
what's really disappointing about what's happening with science is um, we used to have, I felt like there were more checks and balances. And I remember the first time they cloned the sheep. Uh, before that, right when they knew cloning was possible, there was a big dialogue between, you know, is this ethical to clone animals? And then they just did it. Um, and I feel like that's been a reoccurring theme. Um, you know, our food has gone through so many drastic scientific changes, and we don't even know what it's doing to our bodies. Um, and even if you don't want to get all hippy-dippy about it, and, and you know, um, uh, just literally, like, we're finding that feeding fish, farm-raised fish, feeding them grain changes um, the meat um, and changes what, what our bodies intake. And um, I don't know. I just... I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm, I'm just saying I feel like we're hurtling towards this future without any real certainty of, of how these things will affect us. Um, like childhood obesity. Um, I don't, you know, anytime someone says those kids needs, need to exercise, they're right, but they're also wrong. Um, you can't not look at what the kids are eating, especially in Arkansas. You know, uh, we went up to one of the lakes last summer, and I remember looking around, and there were 20 kids on the beach, and every one of them was obese. Um, and that was shocking. Um, I know I'm wandering around here on subjects, okay. but, but so the GMOs are about the food, and the corn clown parade is about uh, the food, too. And that, uh, that piece, I don't think, hits as hard as the GMOs, um, because it does look more fun, but that piece is also made all with food. Um, and, and about how high fructose corn syrup, if you go to the... It's in everything. It's in everything, and it's like crack. You know, um, it's really disturbing to me how... You know, we talked about this earlier, but I have a seven-year-old uh, son. And, you know, before I had... Before I got married and had a kid, I mean, I loved off corn dogs and beer. I didn't care. You know, I eat whatever I want. Um, and then you have a child, and you start thinking about what they're eating and you start looking at ingredients and holy crap, why would they need to put high fructose corn syrup in bread? You know, uh, why would they need to put that? Well, it's addictive. It's addictive. It, it, it gives you that rush. Um, it's just things like that that just to, to me seem insane. You should be able to go to the grocery store and not have to search to find something good to eat. Now they have the guides where it's like, search around, like shop the perimeter, yeah. not in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and and I'm not saying, you know, again, especially with this political election, I really get sick of terms like liberal and conservative that used to divide people. I, I look at it as common sense, you know, just common sense, just straight thinking. I think that uh, people divide themselves so easily and they miss, it's a bait and switch. It's a, a, a companies that are finding ways to divide us so that they can slip one past us. And um, I think every day, uh, ordinary people are all about the same. They're all good people. They want, they want to raise their families right. They want to eat good food. Uh, they don't want, uh, I don't necessarily need, need a regulation, but at the same time, um, like labeling things in the grocery stores. Why is it so such a contentious issue that, that we should have to label something? It's ridiculous. Um, but anyway. Um, how, did the, how did the demon... So you have the corn mm -hmm. cob parade, um, and then you have the GMOs, and those are both wall-based yep. hanging yep. ceramic sculptures. But then you have some, I would say, anthropomorphic, figurative yep. sculptures and then head jugs... 
um, that are part of this demon series. Yep. How do those tie into the other pieces? Well, the demons of, of consumption, just for those who haven't seen it, they're uh, about three foot tall with the jug heads. Their heads come off, and the heads are literally whiskey jugs. Um, and those pieces are new for me because they're made, the, the bodies are thrown on the wheel and then um, assembled. And after I throw the pot, I get in there and change it to make it look like a body. Um, and uh, my wife always says I, I disclose too much, but I actually had her take pictures of me one time <laughs> so that I'd have something to go off. And it, they're not flattering, but uh, the, yeah, I tried to sculpt the bodies. You know, I exaggerate and I abstract, but they're supposed to look like me. Um, you know, they're supposed to be similar to me, and I'm not in great shape. Um, you know, like I said, I I don't watch what I eat so much, but but I had a friend once tell me years ago that I consume. You know, if I'm drinking a cup of coffee, I drink it fast. If I'm drinking a beer, I drink it. I pound it. Uh, if I eat a corn dog, it's gone in two bites. You know, um, and again, once I had that son. Um, in thinking about those things, the demons are made with uh, the, the thrown body and the sculpted body, but then the hands and feet are mine, or they're his. Some of them will have child hands and my feet, or they'll have his feet and my hands, or or, or whatnot. And uh, um, part of that is is realizing that the things that I do, <clears throat> excuse me, um, affect him. Um, he watches everything I do. Um, and, and also an, an introspective, like, you know, like, what is, how's this doing to me? And, and also, literally, they are demons. And I think, uh, um, again, for those people that haven't seen them, they're painted up like Mexican wrestlers. They're painted really bright um, with faces on them and sort of a Mardi Gras look. Because in my mind, you know, uh, demons have always been depicted as these horrible creatures from hell. Um, but I think in reality, demons... Are ready to party, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> if you're, if if vices weren't so much fun, we we wouldn't do them, you know. But the face jug heads uh, uh, come from. I was making whiskey jug heads for years, and I was making them in the tradition of the old Southern potters. You know, I would glaze them with natural glazes and things like that. And uh, my friend who used to own Southern pottery, one of my closest friends, I used to go down every Christmas and spent time with him and his family and um, basically long story short he passed away a horrible <clears throat> horrible story I won't go into but um, so those jugheads were came from that but then and and he died as a result of his demons mm-hmm. he died as a result of those and so in a way too those those heads are and he and I were very, cl- very close. Like I would consider him almost like a brother. Um, so I stopped making the heads for a while, the the face jug heads. Um, they just were too painful to think about. But then I started making them again, painted up, um, and um, festive and fun, because uh, again I um, I wanted them to sort of lure you in as, as funny. I think humor is a great gateway uh, for discovery. And and uh, so. Those jugheads, they, they're removable because these are just mindless demons, you know, stumbling around. Uh, they also, the first time I showed them, I had them full of booze. Um, so they're basically just mindless booze heads shambling around like zombies. Um, but they're also ready to party. <laughs> so that's my version of a demon. <laughs> 
You've got, okay, so you've got kind of that, that part is uh, more autobiographical, and then you yeah. have the GMOs and, and the Corn Clown Parade, which is more in general. What do you think you'll make next? Like, which, I guess, street, because you got, they're all connected with yeah. food and with self and with world. Yeah. Are you going to take one specific theme and go forward with it more? Well, I think that's an interesting question. One of the things that I've been criticized before by colleagues um, is, you know, I think kind of the standard artist formula is to develop a body of work Mm -hmm. and, you know, work on that and beat it to death, you know, over a series of years. And then, and the galleries really encourage that too. I they think. know what to, ex- that's what was, I'm very erratic in my making too. And yeah. that was my, uh, cr- they critique they gave me. They said the galleries want to know what to expect. Exactly. From you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they know what to be able to push in yeah. before it's made, um, which is frustrating for me. Cause it's not, yeah. Not well, honestly, this is a whole other discussion, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of the galleries, I mean, they don't exist like that anymore. Galleries that support artists that, have a stable of artists that, that uh, you know, that sell. But I, I mean, my life is mine, and, and uh, I'm not going to be on this planet for forever, so I make what I want. And I am really encouraged by how people have responded to the demons. When I first made them, I was really insecure. In fact, I made them in this room. We're at the Euler uh, Ceramic Studio right now. And I made them over, uh, I made the first ones, over a holiday break, locked the doors late at night. No one's around. Felt like a mad scientist. And I thought, this is not going to be well-received at all. Um, I mean, I have not had a lot of experience with figurative sculptures, so I was really you know, concerned. And my thing, or what I'm known for professionally, is translucent porcelain. So this is really a far stretch. But what I love is that uh, people not only um, respond to them in a positive way, but I think they also respond to them in a personal way, and they get it. And um, uh, so I'm really excited. You know, no no one likes to admit that they need approval to continue with a project, but it sure helps. You know, yeah. when you're working on something and people are like, that's great, it, it really encourages you to keep working. Um, so I really like making those. And then I also really like making the GMOs. And at first, they were, were really silly. You know, it was, I'm going to stick a turtle foot on a chicken and see what it looks like, you know, and ha-ha, that's funny. But now, um, I'm really encouraged more to push that push that more, and so I definitely will be making more of those, I think. And, and ideally, I would like to uh, hopefully have this exhibition in other places, too, you know, move to other venues and show the work and see what people think. Well, I look forward to seeing that. So thank you for talking to me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, being invited to interview. To see David's work and learn more about what he does, visit his website at davidscottsmithceramics.com. Kim Quay is the other artist in the exhibition currently up at the Historic Arkansas Museum. She is a artist and a professor at Pulaski Technical College in North Little Rock. Her mixed-media work explores the idea of drawing. She has both two-dimensional and three-dimensional pieces in this show, and the pieces blur the lines between what is two-dimensional and what is three-dimensional. Both types of work share the same sorts of materials, but present them in different ways. They are very colorful and very whimsical. Here is Kim Quay speaking about her work in the show. 
I'm Kimberly Quay, and I grew up in Little Rock, but kind of out in the country a little bit. Um, went to grad school in Illinois, got my MFA at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and then came back home in 2009, uh, got married, started teaching at Pulaski Tech, and so I teach drawing and uh, general kind of art history survey classes there, and I've been doing that for like five years. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, so tell us about what you did in your, uh, during your MFA program. Um, I went into a program that was, uh, it, it used to be split into painting students and sculpture students. And when I went to school there, they were actually in the middle of sort of figuring out whether they really needed to have that division. So it was kind of interesting because uh, my degree is technically in painting slash sculpture because we were kind of combining those programs. So I was in classes and in um, critique pools with people who are doing all kinds of stuff. And um, I think that was a good fit for me because I've always been a mixed media artist. So I was in school with people who are doing digital things and installations and doing traditional oil painting. Um, there are people doing uh, fabric sculptures and performance art. And so that was really a big influence on me. Yeah, it seems to fit really well into this show that you have right now at the Historic Arkansas Museum. You're just talking about making these hybridized pieces that are somehow 2D and 3D. Yeah. So tell us some about that, about your show right now. Well, that, um, that feeds a little bit into kind of when I came back to Arkansas and started teaching. Um, I was just teaching part-time, but I also got a part-time job at the Historic Arkansas Museum. And so it was a really... Uh, it was just great to have a show there because I remember just being a part-timer there and hanging shows on the wall, so it was nice to have my own work to hang. Um, but yeah, I th I th in this show, I have 2D pieces that um, are collage pieces sort of mounted to be more like uh, how you would see a traditional oil painting hung and I've never made, it was really funny that I applied into a painting sculpture program because I'd never made like a traditional painting or a traditional sculpture, you know, like where you kind of carve it out of something or whatever. I'd always sort of stuck things together, like cut things apart and glued them back together or stuck them together in some way. So um, you can see that in both the 2D pieces that are, you know, mounted on the wall and the fabric sculptures that are hanging and also the things that are, you know, mounted to, that are meant to be set on something like the floor or a podium or stand or something like that. So they're all kind of either made of paper um, and fabric or there's, there's nothing that's just one kind of uh, medium. What do you get your inspiration from? What uh, what are you drawing from for the color choices or how you put things together? I mean, is it traditional media like quilts or for some of the fabric pieces or where? I look at quilts and that was important to me because I knew, you know, going back to the ham, um, you know, I just, I think that's just a, such a wonderful place because they've got art and then they've also got like these really old cannonballs and, you know, like these really great quilts. And so it was great to work with the collection, even if I was just there part-time. And I was really, you know, I wanted to do something that made sense with that collection. And so I definitely look at quilts and admire that kind of thing. But I think that um, a lot of like what I like to see put together comes from my, uh, my mom's mom, my Oma. And in her house, she just sort of has no sense of 
um, you know, that, that one, there should just be one pattern on anything. <laughs> so, you know, there'll be a couch that will have this really great, like, velveteen floral, and then on top of that will be, like, two or three throw blankets that all have different patterns, and then on top of that will be stuffed animals, you know, like, um, and throw pillows that are just, everything is a different color, a different pattern, and that's sort of her sense of what looks good and and I think that is fabulous and I love it so her house is completely filled like every square inch um, is filled with something sparkly or some kind of pattern and um, that you know was what I grew up that was like the wonderland that I grew up looking at Um, so that's probably where I get my most influence and then also just uh, kind of collecting stuff and then having to get rid of it and that was sort of a, a big decision that I made with this show is that I was going to fill everything up and get everything out of my studio. So um, sort of, I guess, working with the same design principle as my Oma, like just fill every, every square inch up with something. When you were going through your studio, did you find certain things or, or materials that you didn't know where to place I mean it sounds like almost a problem solving because I've tried to do yeah. that too before and then I'm like uh I don't know these pipe cleaners don't really fit in or whatever yeah yeah I mean instead of, I think in the past I would run into stuff like that and just like put it into another pile mm-hmm. instead of figuring out what to do with it and um you know, this was the, my first show that I had after having a baby, and that was really helpful in a way because, you know, I would have, like, it's her nap time right now, you know, <laughs> so I would have, like, an hour, you know, hour and a half, um, and maybe of that, I would really only have a good 30 minutes of time to make something, and so I really didn't have time to just move something from one pile into another pile. I had to sort of tell myself, it was either going to get glued down or stitched down or it was going to have to go away. And so if I loved it and I wanted to use it, I just incorporate it and then not second guess it too much. Let's talk about your your process. Uh, which came first with this series? Was it the, I say, 2D-ish pieces on the wall or the more, you know, the, the five more fiber pieces. I guess some of those are on the wall too, but you have one that's kind of almost more like an installation. So which ones did you make first or did you make them all at the same time? I kind of made them at the same time because I had both, um, you know, a pretty solid stash of unresolved collages and drawings that I started but didn't feel like they were finished or felt like I had finished them too much. And so I cut those apart. And then I also had pieces of fabric that were um, some of them were actually things that I inherited from my aunt's mom, who was an avid quilter, and so they were half sort of started quilts. And so I just figured, you know, what really is the difference between these little pieces of paper that I have that aren't finished and these pieces of fabric, you know, that are unfinished? So I just sort of worked on them together and tried to, um, if I had little things, I tried to join them to something else and just let them grow each day, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, they kind of happened at the same time. I was thinking about the scale of your, I guess, more collage pieces. They're all about the same size. They're kind of medium to small size. What determined that scale? Are they all on some sort of backing? or Some of them I had some real convenient 
conveniently cut illustration board that I like to work on because it's creamy and smooth and so I can draw on it and um, it's still thick enough. Um, I actually like to stitch onto paper and so it's... it's. Do you do um, it with hand, by hand? With my sewing machine, um, the, some of the fabric stuff I had to do by hand just because I, at, at some point things get too big to send through my sewing machine. But um, I, I like to use thick stuff that is sturdy enough I can glue onto it, but it, but some of that is still, um, you know, it's possible to send through my sewing machine. I've just sort of wrecked a lot of sewing machines doing that. But um, the, the size of them, you know, I want it to be something that I can manage. And like, you know, like I said, I, I, have, a, I have a small studio space in my house, so it has to be something that I can kind of feel like I can work on um, in an afternoon. And then if I, um, yeah, that I can live with in my house <laughs> for a while. Um, the two things I've run into working with these kind of mixed materials, two issues I've had, are documenting them, like taking a good picture, and then also keeping them, like if I'm using different kinds of paste, keeping them pasted together over time. Like I find that certain, you know, working with different materials, they'll come apart. How do you, what do you do about those two issues, taking pictures and then making sure that they're more archival? Um, with the pictures, I mean, I've gotten a pretty good system of just like taking taking pictures and stages because a lot of the stuff if you I mean no one's going to like follow me this closely but um, if you did you could see that some of the things that you see in the show you'll see documented on my website as previous works of art that I've like cut apart and made into something else you know if they didn't sell or something like that yeah, or if I just well. didn't like them um, but uh, the 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 archivalness um I I worry about that, I guess, but because, I mean, I like to mount the drawings the way that they are mounted because if I put them behind glass, then I couldn't mess with them anymore. So if, I guess, I mean, I, I haven't thought about that as much because I do kind of want to be able to take them apart again. But, I mean, I've, you know, I use um, gel medium or uh, if, it's, if it's something that is in contact with, like, the actual paper that's being drawn on or stitched on, then I'll, I'll, I use an archival glue, but otherwise I'd, you know, just kind of spray mount the crap out of things and hope for the best. <laughs> so um, what do you think you'll do after this show? Do you feel like you have successfully cleaned out the studio and are you contented with the pieces you have or are you going to keep making along the similar lines or are you ready for something new? What's next? Um, I think that I still have things that I, little small collages that, you know, I have a little box of things that are, you know, things that I want to incorporate and use up. So I didn't get everything cleaned out. Um, but I'll still make the soft kind of stuffed fabric things. Um, I've been making a lot of little play foods for my daughter and stuff like that. So I've been kind of more crafty. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I've been making drawings of little illustrations of food, and I've been doing a lot of food stuff. So um, I'm just kind of trying to make some things that are a little bit more playful. And uh, now that I have space and I don't have some, I don't feel like I'm under the weight of all of this unfinished stuff. So I've just been kind of drawing, making little books, and uh, 
little toys for her. It's interesting that you said food because that's what David's whole yeah thing was about. You know, yeah. well, our whole conversation was about uh, food. So yeah, I loved being in the show with him, and it was so inspiring. Um, you know, one of the things I love about play food is that it's like if you if you buy the really uh, like cheap sets of play food, it's like stuff that's made toys that are made in China, and there's almost like stuff that's lost in translation. Like there will be a a box of french fries or something or like a box of potato chips like a jug a, like a liter jug of ketchup you know and like I love that <laughs> stuff so I've collected like cheap little sets of play food and I was just kind of you know had all of that you know wanted all that stuff I had like an Amazon wish list of play food even before I had a kid you know so now I'm just kind of passing it off as oh yeah get that for her for Christmas you know but it's really for me um, but I just, I love that being in the show with him, you know, I mean, it's the same kind of idea of like this food that we're giving the kids to play with, you know, their first sort of idea of what food is, that it's entertainment and that it's like chips and grape juice and um, I don't know, it's, it's always like really bad food that's in play food sets, <laughs> you know, like, a, I don't know. Is that what draws you to it or is it the kind of the funny bad translations of things it's it's sort of that yeah the bad translations of things but I like miniature things mm -hmm. too yeah I love miniature things yeah. yeah and I like that it's sort of like poorly done like I mean I don't like precious miniature things as mm -hmm. much as I like sort of funnier kitschy miniature things so that's what I really like about that stuff and I mean the play food that I'm trying to make for my daughter and I'm trying to make like normal stuff I guess but I mean it's um it's not as much fun to make like a banana as it is to make like a, um, you know, hot dog pizza. Like I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of my drawings are, you know, like they're, um, like I made, there was one little, I made a little echo or a little hint at it in one of the pieces that's in the ham show. That's what I, stuff that I want to do next is there's just like this little can of um, smell Monty creamed corn. So it's like taken, you know, um, I was looking at Kroger ads and then just kind of changing the names of stuff around to kind of poke fun at it, like pizza puffs and, you know, products that don't exist, but I mean, really, like they, they could, they, yeah, they, they probably could. could, you know, or like pickle puffs, you know, like mm. stuff like that. <laughs> so how did the show come about? Did you and David pair yourselves or did... I don't know exactly. Like, I don't want to take any credit for it if it's not due, but I, I know that um, when Donna Updegrove at HAM talked to me about the possibility of having a show, I mean, it's always like two years mm -hmm. in advance, mm -hmm. so it gives you a lot of time to think about it. And I was in a show called Scary Monsters with David, and I saw his, uh, like, radioactive sort of chickens <laughs> and loved them. And so I knew she was a ceramic artist. So I feel like there, at some point, I was like, Donna, you know, do, do you, what do you think about David Smith's work? You know, you should look at this. Um, I really liked his work. I'd like to, to be in a show with them. But I don't know if that was, you know, if that started it, because there's a lot of time it was a long time ago you yes. know um so I don't know I'd love to say that it was my idea but it was Donna's idea probably <laughs> yeah she does a great job uh we were talking about David and I were talking about how she installed everything so I guess she installed all your pieces did you 
or did you were you there? No, she um, they uh, she and uh, Carrie Voss um, installed the show, and uh, they do great work. And Carrie Voss, you know, wrote up the um, description for the show, and you know, I just think she does a great job. Um, but in some ways, like I think since it is so much time ahead like they I think they kind of knew what David's work might look like but I don't think they really knew what my work was going to look like because I had no idea um I mean they knew it was going to be mixed media and, right. and that kind of thing but it, it I thought it worked out really great I mean I thought it was that's why I asked it was really well paired I mean the color yeah and both things are playful I mean yeah. you're not on the same theme I mean I guess right, yeah. you are like somewhere deep down there in your subconscious <laughs> on the same theme but like it's it's bubbling up but uh, yeah I thought it was a really good pairing yeah I think that it made I mean the the humor I think mm-hmm. came through and I liked that and I liked being kind of the light side to his dark side <laughs> um, yeah it was a great pairing well thank you for talking to me today thanks Rachel to learn more about Kim Quay and her artwork visit her website kimquay.com To see images of Kim and David's exhibition that's up at the Historic Arkansas Museum and images of their work, to read their artist statement and get links to their website, any information you could want about this episode, visit the Art Talk blog at arttalkkabf.blogspot.com. Thank you for listening to Art Talk on KBF 88.3 FM. I encourage you to get out to the Historic Arkansas Museum this Friday night from 5 to 8 p.m. and see David and Kim's work. If you can't make it to the reception on Friday, the Historic Arkansas Museum is open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. through 5 p.m., and Sundays from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. The Historic Arkansas Museum also has a wonderful permanent collection of both art and historical artifacts from Arkansas. They have three historic homes that have been rebuilt on their property. And if you're a teacher in the state, check out their historic loan boxes. They're the best. They're my favorite. They send a box of artifacts and curriculum with you to use in your classroom for a week. Can you tell I love this museum? It is my favorite one in the whole state. The curatorial uh, department and the education staff have helped me immensely both in my art career and as a teacher. This episode was brought to you by the William F. Lehman Library System in North Little Rock. The Lehman is excited for its own upcoming art year. The third Friday in January, we are presenting a solo art exhibition by Laura Rayburn in the Argenta branch of the Lehman. Laura will be speaking with us next week on Art Talk about her upcoming show. And in February, at the main branch, we will have a solo exhibition by mixed media painter Lisa Cranchfeld. Thanks for listening. <laughs>